Thank you for tuning in to Family Money Coaching, where we prepare couples financially for adoption and fertility. Laura Coleman, an accredited financial counselor, is your host and financial coach with over 18 years in the financial industry. She decided to dedicate her private practice to help other couples with the tools and resources they need to create their forever family through adoption or fertility. As a veteran of fertility and an adoptive mom of three, she's experienced firsthand what her clients are going through. Stay tuned for financial resources, inspiration and ideas on raising the funds, how to strengthen your marriage and improve communication over money, and how to change your money mindset. Today's guest is Leslie Tane, a highly respected consumer and business debt-related attorney and advisor. Leslie founded Tane Law Group, which is one of the few in New York State concentrating solely in debt resolution solutions and alternatives to filing bankruptcy for consumers, small business owners, and professionals. In addition, Tane Law regularly consults and advises on debt management-related issues. Leslie is the author of Life and Debt, and we will be discussing today how identity theft and protecting the children that we adopt and their credit. Why should adoptive parents be concerned about a child's credit history or possible identity theft? So it's a really good and interesting perspective on the, on the adopting parent side and what to do for your children financially. There's so many other pieces of that puzzle that I'm sure are going through adopting parents' heads that they're not necessarily thinking about, you know, how is my child impacted? But, you know, at different ages, they may be impacted differently. So one of the things to think about is the exposure that that child might have had previously and who was in that child's life previously. So it is something to think about in terms of, you know, what can I do? to help my child not only have this wonderful fresh start in my home and my family, but what can I do to make sure financially that this child is not going to be negatively impacted maybe by a previous experience that they've had. So the first thing to think about like you said, is to talk about this child's social security number. Obviously, everything financial, everything financial is linked to a social security number. So if there's any thought or concern about the impact or the exposure from that child to the uh, previous experience the child's had, whether it's family members or other people that they've been in the foster care system or even internationally, definitely the first step, change the child's social security number. It's really easy to do. Mm -hmm. It's not really a big deal. And truthfully, it's not like you have to inform creditors, those children are not going to have creditors that you have to go out and then inform that they have a different social security number. So it's not a long-term project. It's a quick and easy solution that um, will ensure that you and the child now know the social security number and nobody else will have access to that. Right. For, for me, I just took our adoption decree and our birth certificates. And I also took the previous social security number card the, and I took it to the social security office hand it in, fill out the paperwork, and within weeks, I had a new social security card with their new name and then their new number. Very, very easy, as you said. Yep, I think it's great. It's so smart. It's really such a smart thing that you did in terms of protecting your child and your children financially. You know, not, not everybody thinks about that, but there is exposure to that. And something to keep in mind, uh, you know, with, with children and certainly in an adopting situation when the children are older, um, certainly a first step and, and really the best step in terms of protecting them. If someone is, has adopted an older child, how can they find out about their child's credit history if it's been compromised? So the first thing to do is you could run a credit check on, um, on your, on, 
on your child's history. So you could easily get uh, something through Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax. You should check all three bureaus because not every creditor reports to all three bureaus. So the safest thing to do, and this goes for anybody in general, is to always check all three reports. You can do that. It may come up no credit history. That, that might be true. And if there comes up no credit history, then the likelihood is that there was no compromise. You can credit monitor your child's social security number and credit depending on their age, because, you know, the credit monitor, what credit monitoring will do and note those are usually a charge for credit monitoring is that it will notify you in the event that that credit is ever compromised and compromise doesn't have to be bad or good. It just means that somebody has utilized that social security number to to look into obtaining some sort of credit. So it's it's always a good thing to take a look at that. It's something to think about too, if your child was in, was in the hospital for an extended um, period of time and their social security number was used in any way, school situations. You know, anytime there's a circumstance where you feel that your child's credit was impacted in the sense that it's other people have become aware of it, you can do that credit check. And I encourage you to do that and sign up for those programs. Um, some credit card companies have them, banks have them. Uh, there's, there's programs out there and services out there that char- that do charge for them. And I've seen the charges up to $20 a month. So it depends on your budget and if that fits in. If it doesn't and that's not you know financially feasible for you, then it's something that you need to do regularly on your own. In most cases, you're entitled to a free credit report once a year. You can do that you know on a date that you remember. So either the child's birthday or Halloween or the date of adoption, you know whatever date is significant enough to you that you'll remember that, oh, this is the day that I need to be checking my child's credit. And then you can pull another credit report to see if there's anything on there. You know, don't think that if you never saw something within the first year of adoption or second year of adoption that you're in the free and clear, understand that identity theft, uh, one of the pieces of that puzzle is that um, they, those that steal identities and use other people's social security numbers know that you might be checking that in the short term and that after some time you can become complacent and say, okay, well, it's been two or three or four years, nothing's happened, so I don't need to check it anymore. This goes for adults as well. The reality is that most of those who steal these inf- this information and utilize it know that. So don't think that you're in the clear in a short period of time. It's something that you should do on a regular basis to ensure that there's no problems. And then as that child turns 18, something you can easily teach an 18-year-old to do and to understand uh, and how to read the credit report and what to see on it and decide what you know, belongs and what doesn't belong. So it's, uh, it's definitely also a good learning tool to teach the kids anyway, you know, something, what does that mean? And how is it impacted? You know, as they get older, obviously, five-year-old will have no idea what that is or 10-year-old, but it is something to, to keep in mind that it's not a one and done or um, a couple of years. Be, be vigilant and uh, about it and diligent in terms of checking the three reports and making sure that, that there's nothing there and use it as an, it's a regular basis. It shouldn't be something that, uh, that's just, done once. What about a credit freeze? Why would a parent want to do a credit freeze on a child's credit report? So as far as a credit freeze goes, usually, you know, when we're recommending credit freezes, um, it's usually with elderly people, people who are um, no longer going to be needing any kind of credit. And therefore, you know, somebody who is older who might be going into in and out of rehab centers or hospitals, you know, given their age, remember that that social security number corresponds with an age. So it's unlikely that that age of a, of a child or a minor is getting credit. So 
the, you know, the date of birth is connected to that social security number. So while they might get away with it as that child is getting older, 16, 17, 18, you know, on the younger side, two, three, four, those, you know, very young ages, again, if the creditor is, would normally check a birth date. So, and if you are regularly checking the credit, then I don't think a credit fees is really necessary. It's uh, in all the years that I've been practicing law, and uh, doing debt and credit work for over 20 years now, no one has ever come to me uh, about a child's credit having been compromised. That doesn't mean that it can't happen. It's just that the credit freeze is a, doesn't last forever. It, there's a period of time where that ends. There could be uh, other pieces of that puzzle. You might not want to put that credit freeze on it if your child is getting a little older and may want to apply for some sort of credit, especially at 16, 17, 18. You, you definitely don't want to get into that where you could be compromising that child's ability to receive credit. And that includes student loans as they go to college. So if you really feel if that child's identity has been compromised in the past, even with your new social security number, then a, a, a freeze would, might make sense. But if if you're monitoring it, you know, I, I don't see the need for that. And that goes whether the child is adopted or not. I mean, I have three of my own children. Uh, they're all now in college. And over the years, you know, I've thought about these things and said, gee, is there something I should be doing as a credit attorney and debt attorney to protect my children in a way? But truthfully, no, I see that things come in the mail for them. Um, but obviously, I rip them up and th or shred them. But I am aware of, of the options and didn't choose to do that, feeling that the age would correspond with it. If you're, if you're very concerned and you really have those type of issues and you might right, be right in having those feelings, then by all means, go get a credit freeze. And you'd have to talk to all three bureaus to do that freeze. And what the freeze does is anytime anybody tries to get credit, it'll bounce uh, and say that that's been frozen. It, again, it's good if, let's say your child is a little older, six, um, again, we're when I talk about older children, I mean like the later teens, not over 18, because at, at over 18, we'll have a separate discussion about things you should be doing when you have a, a child that's over 18. But under 18, 17, 16, 15, those ages, and they're going into, let's say they're ill and they have to go into a hospital for, or a rehab facility for whatever reason, long term, then I would, I might be a little bit concerned about that and be aware of it because as that child is aging, they're getting close to being able to take out credit. So uh, an identity thief might be aware of that and, and could fudge the numbers a little bit to, to get away with it. But you're not going to be able to really get away with it if, you're, if the child was actually born in 2018. So something to think about as your child ages and is 18 and is getting close to 18, what I did do for my children and I feel very strongly about was uh, a power of attorney uh, with the children and an authorization because once they turn 18, even in college, you as the parent are not entitled to information, medical or otherwise. So I never wanted to be in that position. And so when my children turned 18, I had documents drawn up. They're very simple, not difficult. I do not encourage you having documents drawn up from online, you know, templates. I encourage you to find somebody who can do this for you, an attorney, not somebody who's not an attorney, who can, who can do the form. The forms are different in every single state and who can put together a power of attorney for you that allows you uh, authorization to speak to medical 
personnel that allows you authorization to sign for things on your child's behalf and um, also make your child aware. So as your children age, it's the same thing with a credit freeze. You know, as they get older and they really do understand, and I'm going to be honest with you, you know, again, I raised my own children. Under 15, they have no understanding, and even 16, they have no understanding of money and credit. You can understand, they can understand the buying of things, but when you get into anything more than that, they just don't have the brain capacity. I don't care how bright your children are. I have very bright children too. They just don't have the brain capacity to understand what it is that you're doing, but you can have open conversations with them. So even when my children turned 18 and I took them to have the, uh, to an attorney friend of mine who did the documents for me, uh, and I explained it to them, they really had no idea what we were doing. But I did explain it. It was explained to them. Uh, They had an understanding of the concepts and why it was important that mom have access to their credit, to their medical information, and that I would be able to um, have access to help them taking care of something. Because, you know, like we're talking about, if your child's credit is compromised, you as the parent, your child's not going to be able to fix that. So you as the parent want to be able to step in quickly and be able to take care of that. And that's protecting your children as they're young and as they get older. I I really like some of your points that you were making um, about, you know, just thinking beyond 18 as well and helping your child. Because, you know, that 18 to 22, they're on their own, but they haven't really figured things out yet. <laughs> right. So that, that's some really good advice. I really like that. They haven't figured things out. And honestly, they don't care. They just don't care. They have so many other things that they care about. Money. It's not one of them. Like I said, even if they're very bright and, um, and uh, you know, my children are very bright and they're all well accomplished and, but, and they have a mother who they live with for their whole life uh, who talks about money and finance constantly, that still didn't in- increase their interest in the topic and it still didn't necessarily increase their understanding of nuances that us as parents understand better. So uh, whether you're adopting a child or you have children, you're having a new baby, it's, it's always something to think about. You know, how can I protect my children? You know, you want them to be safe. And, you know, the electronic world, you can't stay away from the electronic world. All of your information and children's information is out there. It can be found. So if you're not familiar with the collection world, I can give you a little inside that in the collection world, there are programs that can be subscribed to where every single detail, including your social security number, everywhere you've lived, um, can easily be found. So, Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So you can't hide from somebody finding your information, and that's not the goal. The goal is to be proactive in protecting yourself and your kids uh, about it. And, and that doesn't mean neglecting your own stuff, because your stuff and your kids' stuff could be well-connected. Remember, if your kids are getting older and you're giving them an, a card, a credit card with an, as an authorized user, and I see that happen as young as 13, you know, if you're doing that, you're now connecting your social security number and your credit to your child's credit. So um, there will be an impact for that. So if you put a credit freeze on your children and you want to get them an authorized user card or you want to open them up a bank account, you could run into a situation where you can't. A couple of years ago when I was doing mortgages, I had a young lady come to me and she applied and I ran her credit and I'm looking at things and I was like, hey, you know, I know you're 22 years old, but you have terrible credit. She's like, what are you talking about? I've, I've never gotten any credit cards and come to find out her mother had taken her social security number and opened up several loans and credit cards in her name. And then of course they were charged off. She never paid them. So in a situation like that, what can you do if, if that's already happened, what can you do to repair or improve your credit so that, that 
is taken off and doesn't affect you now as an adult? So that's a really good question. And it does happen. I've seen it happen with siblings. Uh, I've seen it happen with uh, parents, with friends, um, significant others, boyfriends, girlfriends. I have definitely seen that because, you know, when you're around people like that, you, you let your guard down and they, they are aware of your information. So the, what you can first do is the first step is really to inform the creditors that that was fraud. The only caveat I say and the hesitation in my voice is simply because it's a family member. Um, very often, the family member doesn't want to do that. So even if your credit was compromised, you, in order to file a fraud charge, you have to file a police report. That means you have to go down to the local police department and file a fraud dealing claim against the person who took the credit out. And very often, uh, they don't want to do that. So that's the debt. I'm going to use the word debtor uh, as the person who has the, the debt against them. They don't really want to do that because obviously there would be an investigation and a possible arrest because it's fraudulent. If somebody signs your name uh, or you're signing your children's name uh, without their permission and authorization, you know, that's fraud. So, uh, and you can end up with all different kinds of criminal charges from something like that. So with that said, obviously the preventative piece of that, like we started to talk about was making sure that you're monitoring your credit, even from an early age on the next piece of the puzzle is if you didn't monitor it and you have, you know, surprise and you don't want to go down the fraud road, you have to be in a position to pay those debts somehow. So many people come to me in my type of practice and we negotiate settlements on them because they've, the credit is damaged to begin with settling the debt from our perspective, will actually improve that situation, get the accounts settled for less than what's owed, and get them out of collections paid quickly and for less than what they would typically owe in total. Uh, it's a very good process uh, and a quick process, an easy process to get it done. So I see that a lot. It's, it's not uncommon for me to have clients with scenarios that base that off that information that they somebody took out a credit card in their name and really they weren't aware and didn't pay it or they did know about it and they and they didn't pay it and now that person is responsible how can they how can they get it resolved quickly so you know coming to an attorney who will understand that and I stress attorney in that situation because while there are debt settlement companies out there honestly in a situation like this you don't want to mess around you want to make sure that you are working with somebody who understands the legalities of what's going on and can explain that not only to you, but to the creditor who we're dealing with to try to negotiate the resolution on and make sure that they put you in a position that you uh, are going to be in a better place when you're done with the process. It's kind of individualized and you don't want to go to a one you know, stop shop that one size fits all that, oh yeah, yeah, yeah we can get it done, um, but you want to get it done that makes sense for you. So that's really where you're at with something like that. In, in really bad cases, we see um, that the bankruptcies have to be filed. But I have to be clear, and when I say this, bankruptcy is not necessarily the only option. So even if you went to a bankruptcy attorney or somebody who claims to be a debt resolution attorney and they push you into bankruptcy, I would encourage you to look for somebody like myself who does who does bankruptcy alternatives and can say, hey, you know, here's the amount of debt that you have. Here's your income. Here's the situation as a result of how you've been impacted and the experience that you've had. Unfortunately, you are a victim and you're a victim of a crime or you're a victim of, of just being a nice person who lent their credit to somebody who then didn't do the right thing by you. But let me do the right thing and help you get this resolved the right way. So we, we boost your credit. Uh, you know, I've worked with mortgage companies, refinance companies. Uh, we work with everybody to make sure that, that whatever has happened that has negatively impacted the credit 
can then be resolved the right way. If you're an adoptive parent, you have now, you've adopted a child that's older and you've gone in, you've changed their social security number um, and their name. You don't necessarily have to have a credit freeze, but you know, if you don't change the social security number, that might be something to think about. Monitoring your credit yearly. You could do it on your gotcha day. Uh, you could do it on their birthday. And, and then also if someone has had their credit compromised to seek out an attorney because they have to file uh, fraudulent charges against whoever has taken their identity and file a police report. If you're going to go down the fraud route, yes. If you're going to file a fraud report, know that it comes with a police report. The creditor will not accept your claim of fraud unless you go and file a police report. And then you can work with the attorney to get your credit um, cleared up and everything is good to go. Is that Kind of sum up everything that we just talked about? Absolutely does. All right, awesome. What concerns should parents be aware of that we haven't already discussed? As an adoptive parent, there's, there's so many things that are going through your mind, you know, as you bring this uh, new child into your home as a family member and, you know, and the adjustment period for everybody. But certainly uh, the financial piece of it is something to consider, you know, as the dust is settling and everybody's getting comfortable, it's definitely something to think about. If you need help with that, there are experts out there. Certainly you can always talk to an adoption, your adoption attorney um, and and or agency who's who's helped you through the process. Um, Don't think that international adoptions are, are exempt from that because Um, You know, you want to be able to get that child a social security number uh, and you want to be able to uh, make sure that that's if you're changing the child's name as well, that's something that you want to make sure is is corrected and that they match up. So you want the name with the social security number as well. And that goes for bank accounts. I mean, it's something to think about because the credit freeze may become problematic, like I said, with bank accounts. You, anything, any child under 18, if you're going to open a bank account for that child, and almost everybody does because they receive checks and money when the children are born or adopted, the, the bank account has to be in a, uh, it can be in your name. It has to be in your name because you're over 18. Um, the child's name, it could be a custodial account. Understand that those custodial accounts are susceptible to you and your credit. If you have a creditor and you don't pay and you end up with a judgment or you end up with an issue with a creditor, that creditor can go after your children's money. So, and I have had that happen where I've had clients with debts, credit card debts and otherwise, where they had custodial accounts with their children and that creditor has taken that money. They will not be sympathetic to the fact that that's your child's college fund. And the only way that you could protect money for a college fund is a, a 529 plan or, or something of the like. But as far as you protecting your children's money, remember if you commingle it with your own money and your, so, your social security number uh, and you have financial issues and you might, it's normal to have financial issues at times in your life, um, be aware that those accounts are um, susceptible to being um, executed by a creditor. That I did not realize, and I appreciate you pointing that out. That is really, really, really good. I'm really glad that you brought that up. Uh, I'm glad to have brought it up because it's something that most people don't know. And let me tell you what a surprise that is when the account gets frozen. It's true. It's true. All right. So we're um, today's interview was with Leslie Tain. You're an attorney. You live in New York, right? I do. Okay. And I really appreciate your time, Leslie. This has been fantastic, and I'm really excited to to share this knowledge with others and help them 
as they bring a child into their family and be able to protect them in all of the aspects of about their social security number, which affects their future. And if we can be vigilant as parents in helping our children now for the next 18 years, if we can help protect them now, then it will help them in their future and, and make sure that they're on a clean slate. So I really, really appreciate you coming on today and sharing your knowledge about credit and, and debt. Thank you so much. And that goes for not just the first 18 years. Let me tell right. you, once, you, once a parent, always a parent. So those kids need guidance into their 20s, 30s, 40s. Believe me, I have adult, um, and that goes for grandparents who are adopting too. That does happen sometimes where something happens and grandparents end up adopting their, um, or they, they take on their grandchildren uh, because the parent either can no longer or has, um, uh, you know, has um, prematurely passed away. You know, something as a grandparent too to think about, you know, in protecting that child and, and understanding how the uh, child's parents' debt or um, issues have have or could impact that child also. So, and it's not something that, you know, I'm in New York and I have offices in New York, but I have um, offices that are opening in Florida. We help clients all over the country. So it's not necessarily state specific. So awesome. we certainly answer questions about anything related to these matters. Thank you for listening to Family Money Coaching, where we prepare couples financially for adoption and fertility. To learn more about Leslie Tain from Tain Law Group, you can visit our website at familymoneycoaching.org. We will have links to her website as well as a link to her book, Life and Debt. We hope that this information will provide you the resources that you need to live intentionally with your children. 